Amen. We serve an awesome God this morning. Amen. He deserves all the glory. Amen. To Him be the glory. Amen. Amen. It's good to have everybody in church this morning on a cold North Dakota winter. Amen. I know the conditions aren't favorable, but uh, there's fire inside the church this morning if you want to get warmed up a little bit. Amen. You got some ice that needs to be thawed up. You're in the right place because there's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. It's good to have everybody here. It's good to have our guests with us. I did have a baptismal certificate for Sister Michelle. She was baptized here last week. If she could come forward. She was baptized in Jesus' name. All of her sins are washed away. And we're excited to see what God's doing in Michelle's life. Amen. God is good. Did want to make mention that we do have those services here this week, and I, uh, I just pray that you can find a way to be here, a room in your your schedule. Please be here. If you got other plans, just rearrange them. Okay, I would like for everybody to be here. I've said this multiple times. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. All right, that you would make a way to be here Thursday night, 7 o'clock, Friday night, 7 o'clock, uh, 9 a.m. Saturday morning. You will be blessed. And if you don't come, you, you're going to miss out on a blessing. Amen. You don't miss work because you want to get paid. Okay. Don't miss church because you want to be blessed. Okay. Amen. All right. I'm done preaching. Actually, I just started. Let's turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 in verse 12. The very familiar portion of Scripture. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. God is so good. I'll tell you what, this is the only way to live. If you come here today and you, you just haven't been too impressed with how life's been going, just give yourself to God. Amen. This, uh, living in this kingdom, living, living for God is the only way to do this. Amen. I've done it the other way, and it was just hopeless. But living for God is, is the only way to live. Acts 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. I want to key in on the last four words of that verse and preach to you this morning on we must be saved. We must be saved. I wonder if we could just put our Bibles down, if we could just say a prayer this morning that the word that goes forth, that it would land on good ground and God would have his way in this place this morning. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be together in your, in your house this morning, God, with the people of God. In the name of Jesus, God, that your word would go forth with power and anointing this morning, God, that we would receive it. God, in Jesus' name, God, that your perfect will would be done in this place this morning, God. We didn't come together just to be together one more time, but God, we need something from you. God, we desire to draw closer to you this morning. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. I must be saved. I pray this morning that you will receive this message with the spirit in which 
I'm going to preach it in. And I want to preach the truth this morning with love. Um, And the truth is, is that nothing matters more here on earth than the fact that we must be saved. There's nothing that matters more than our salvation. And I'm here this morning to remind every man, woman, and young person, and child that there is nothing on earth worth missing heaven over. There's nothing that this life offers that is worth missing heaven over. There's not enough money here on earth worth missing heaven over. There's not a career, a job, or a degree worth missing heaven over. There's not a relationship that you've got yourself entangled in that's worth missing heaven over. There's no drunk, there's no high, there's nothing that's involved in that world that's worth missing heaven over. There's no pleasure that this life offers that's worth missing heaven over. Please listen to this preacher this morning. This is going to be a bit of a serious message. But I'm going to preach it in love. But there's nothing worth missing heaven over. Since I was a young boy, before I ever really had a relationship with God, I, I, I did grow up going to church every now and then. I did have an understanding of eternity. And I had an understanding of heaven and hell. And I always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to go to heaven and that I never wanted to partake in a devil's hell. And I heard of how great heaven was and of how bad hell was. And I heard that they lasted for eternity. So I remember being a small boy, and I remember a preacher showed up in my family's life, and I really had no clue about Christianity the Bible way. And I was shown according to Scripture of how to be saved. And when the preacher began to preach, I was all ears. I wanted to understand how I had to be saved because I knew where I wanted to spend eternity. I remember the very first Bible study I was ever taught. It was Into His Marvelous Light. It's like a one-hour Bible study. And we sat down, and the truth was, was revealed to me, and I realized that I was not living up to what I needed to at that point in my life. And I realized that I needed to be saved. That above all, I needed to be saved. And our prayer this morning, and I pray that this challenges us, but we we need to have the attitude that you can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take all that's out there, but I need Jesus this morning. And I'm afraid that sometimes some of us, we find ourselves out of alignment with God And the desires and the cares of this world and life begin to entangle us again. And I don't believe that we're at a moment in time 
where we should be playing games with the kingdom of God. I don't believe it's the time to be messing around in the kingdom of God. I believe our time is short. I believe that there's a harvest that is ready and God is calling a church to him. And I don't want to be caught up in the game of life. God desires a bride. He desires a church that is without spot or wrinkle, that is without blemish. And I seek to be in that category this morning. Because there is nothing more important. Hear me this morning. There is nothing more important than your salvation. That you are saved. There is nothing more important than your relationship with God. There should be nothing we desire more than the things of God, the kingdom of God, because we must be saved. We must be saved. According to the Bible, when we die, our human bodies die but our soul and our spirit live on. And we all have this sort of built into our hearts. We already know, each and every single one of us, we know that when it's over, it's not really over. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says it it like this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. We have this built in us that we know that when we die, a human death on this earth, that it's not really over. There is a thing called eternity, and it simply means forever. It means a continued existence. And we on earth, we average in America, according to Brother Google this morning, we average 77.2 years here on this earth. And I'm here to tell you that this morning that all these years that we have here on earth are all about making it right with God. That's what it's all about. How we live down here determines where we are going to live in eternity. I'm here to tell you that your life here on earth isn't about your career. It isn't about how happy you can be and what you can pursue and what you can attain. It's not about your retirement. It's not about your vacation plans. But your life spent here on earth is all about where you're going to spend in eternity after life. According to scripture, I only read two destination points. I read of a heaven or a hell. I know this isn't popular. To talk about hell isn't popular. It's not a popular subject, but it's in the scripture. Jesus talks about hell. You usually don't make a lot of friends talking about hell. This sermon probably will not reach a Facebook reel talking about hell, fire, and brimstone. 
We hear very little about hell in our day and age. I remember when I was a kid, that wasn't too long ago, 20-some years ago. I remember going to youth camps and going to camp. And I remember hearing preaching on hell. I can still remember messages. I remember a preacher preached a message titled, The Calamity of Esau. I remember going to an altar after that message. (laughs) Brother Tyler was talking the other day about a message he remembers when he was a kid. It was titled, Tell Hell I Ain't Coming." We remember messages like this. I remember being at a Friday night youth night in Grafton. It was just a small church, a few youth, but the preacher, the the youth leader that night preached something that convicted me, and I went to to that altar that night because I knew that my life wasn't lining up, and I wanted to be aligned with God because I was concerned about where I would spend eternity if I were to die. I remember there was a short period in my teenage years where I kind of fell off the deep end and I began to do things that I knew weren't right and began to live in a way that I knew wasn't right against my parents' wishes, against my pastor's wishes, and I was kind of on the run for a while. And I remember being in, in, in places where I didn't even know where I was and going to bed at night and falling asleep. I said, God, don't come back tonight because if you come back tonight, I'm not ready. I remember praying those prayers all the time because I was concerned about where I was going to spend eternity. The Bible talks about hell. Luke 16 and 19 says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at this gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime you received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. We see a glimpse of eternity in hell through this rich man. Hell in the scripture is described as a place of torment, of everlasting flames. It seems the worst thing about being in hell maybe wouldn't be the pain of the flames, but it would be that you have the realization that you missed heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Abraham reminded the rich man that he had received good things here on earth, that he had lived his life on earth how he wanted to and lived for the pleasures of what his life could offer him, and he didn't consider eternity. And all the rich man wanted was a drop of water on his tongue to ease the pain of the flames that were before him. And he begged that Lazarus 
would testify to his family that was still living, that his brothers, that his five brothers would get right on earth, that that Lazarus would appear before them and, and tell them that they needed to get right with God so they wouldn't have to experience what he was experiencing. Hell is a real place, and real people go there. It's written in Scripture for a reason, not just for us to turn the other page. But it's written for us to recognize it as a place that we don't want to go. Matthew 13 and 37 says, Jesus is explaining the parable of the tares in the field. And he said, he answered unto his disciples and said to them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man and the field is the world and the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. And therefore the tares are gathered and they're burned in the fire. So shall it be at the end of this world, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth at the Son in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. These are the words of Jesus, folks, not mine. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. He was explaining to the disciples uh, that when this was all going to be done at the end of the world, how he was going to divide the good and the bad. And the tares were sown by the enemy. They were a, a type of grass. They even looked like wheat. They sort of fit in with the wheat. They probably even talked like the wheat, but they were not the true wheat. And at the end of the world, they were gathered. And they were burnt in a furnace of fire. And there was wailing and gnashing of teeth. And these were the words of Jesus about hell, about judgment. It sort of reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 21. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. I grew up sort of believing that all I had to do is believe that God exists and that Jesus was my Savior and I had a free uh, pass into heaven. That's what I was sort of told as a kid. But Jesus said to here, not everyone that calls me Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. He says, many will say to me in that day, at that time of judgment, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There is a hell. And there is a judgment. We need to be right with God today. I can preach hell really hot. I can preach it so hot, the paint on the back walls will start peeling off. But I also can preach Jesus good. So today we have 
Eternity. Eternity is before us. And there is a hell. But there is a hope of glory today. There is a place called heaven. Amen. And that's where we want to go. Amen. We do have hope today. But we've got to make the choice. So it's a little more popular to preach about heaven. Because it's where our hope is. It's where we desire to go. John 14 and 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may also dwell. Amen. God has prepared some mansions for us in heaven. There's a place waiting for us in heaven. That's where I want to go. That's where I want to spend eternity. Amen. The church, we, we ought to get excited when we hear about heaven. When we hear about hell, there ought to be a fear and a, and a, and a cautiousness. And we ought to walk circumspectly when we hear about hell. But when we hear about heaven, we ought to get excited because this is our hope. This is when we're going to get to see Jesus face, to see him face to face. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 15 says, For for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, com comfort one another with these words. Amen. I'm looking forward to the rapture of the church. I'm looking forward to be called up yonder. Amen. To hear that trumpet sound and we can forever spend eternity with Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul said in Philippians 3, he says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Amen. I'm looking forward to that new body. Amen. That won't get sick no more. Amen. That we won't have to deal with these things here on earth. No more pain. Amen. Talking about a place he has prepared for us. Streets of gold. Pearly gates. No pain. No more crying. We get to see Jesus face to face. To our Savior. Amen. The creator of the heaven and the earth. The mighty God. Amen. This is our hope of glory this morning. That's why we sing songs like this. I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. And I can only imagine what my eyes would see when your face is before me. Amen. Surrounded by your glory. Amen. I can only imagine. We sing songs like, oh, I want to see him. Amen. Look upon his face and there to sing forever of his saving grace. And on the streets of glory, let me lift my voice and cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. And some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away.
to a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Amen. We have a hope this morning for eternity with Jesus Christ. But there is a heaven and there is a hell. And we must be saved. Amen. We must be saved. If I could get Trey and Tyson, if I could get you guys to do something for me. I've got a little rope here. If one of you would grab one end of the rope and peel it all the way across the church. I think I did this a few years ago. Some of you may remember. But just to give you an idea of how long eternity is. This rope here is about 50 feet long. And if we could visualize this rope um, going, go ahead and pick that up, pull it tight. If we could picture this rope right here. And if, let's just picture this as the equator. And I know we don't live at the equator. <laughs> you can look outside and we know we don't live at the, this is like the, the opposite of the, it's the anti-equator. Okay, there's two of them, they, they're opposite. But this thing ravels all the way around the earth. Multiple times. It just keeps going. Okay? Ravels all around the earth. And this right here is just a one-inch piece of tape. I'm going to tape this right here. And this piece of tape, one inch long, represents our life here on earth. This is 80 years right here. One inch 80 years. And this rope represents everything after our life here on earth. And it just keeps going around the earth. And if we got to, if this is 80 years right here, and this is our life, and then we die and we spend eternity somewhere, it's a long, long time. And if that's 80, if the one inch is 80 years, then right in the middle right here, we're at 32,000, or no, 20, 24,000 years. 24,000 years right here. And at the very end, we're at 48,000 years. And we didn't even make it across the sanctuary. The sanctuary is 64 feet wide. That's how long eternity is. And that's how short our life is. Just that little one inch. This is life. This is, this is what we tend to get caught up in every day. This is what we spend hours and hours working on and stressing about is this little one inch. We're concerned about our careers. We're concerned about our bank accounts. We're concerned about our ego, how we look, how people perceive us. We're concerned about what we wear, what we drive, where we live. It's just, it's just this little part. 
But this little part, how we live here, is going to determine where we spend the rest of this life. So I'm preaching a little strong this morning. And I'm just doing it because I want everyone here to make it. I don't want anybody here to miss the rapture. I don't want anybody here to to spend eternity in hell. But if we get caught up in the things of this world and our eyes off of God, there will be judgment. Eternity is a long time. It's a long, long time. It just keeps going and going. We're at 24,000 years, 30,000 years. Just year after year. 80 years is down there. That's our life down there, just 80 years. We're at close to 50,000 years at the end of it. We've only made it across the sanctuary. And it just keeps going And it keeps going. Eternity is a real thing. You guys can go ahead and sit down. You can take that home and tie your brothers up if you'd like. Eternity is a long time. And don't kid yourself. The world and the enemy, spirit of the world doesn't want you to make eternity with God. The world, the spirit of the world, and I believe this strongly, that there's a spirit of deception. And the enemy wants us to sit back and relax. The enemy wants us to be a lethargic church. And if you were here Wednesday night, Brother Villarreal preached about a church that sleeps. Revelation warns us about a lukewarm church. And God said he'll spew it out of his mouth. He would rather have us hot or cold. We cannot subscribe to the idea that doing the things of the kingdom of God are what we do with our leftover time. This is what the world has been telling you, that after we get all the important things done, then we'll pray. Then we'll spend time in the word. If my busy schedule allows it, then maybe I'll go to church. Just a quick friendly reminder that this isn't a one-service-a-week church. We have church on Wednesday nights. And as the pastor, I've been instructed to feed the flock. And if you are only here on Wednesdays or on Sundays, You are not getting fed the full plate. This is not a one service a week church. The Bible tells us to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. 
But the world wants us to believe that we can just sit back and relax and everything's going to be okay. But the Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence and that the violent take it by force. Church, there's got to be something in us that rises up. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean today. I'm really not. But I'm, I'm preaching to somebody today that, that, that you need something to rise up in you that would say, no, regardless of what I got going on in life, that I'm going to pursue the things of the kingdom of God. At all costs, whatever God has for me, I want it and when you, when you take it by force, it takes effort. There's going to be a battle. There's going to have to be some movement and decisions on your end. It's not going to come easy, but the violent take it by force. We've got to pursue it with everything that's within us. Because I don't want to risk spending eternity in a devil's hell because I was worried about my life here on earth. Jesus said, if you're here for the first time, I apologize. This isn't how I normally preach. This is a little hot and heavy this morning. But I feel it's what God had for us today. Jesus said to seek the kingdom of God first. And he said, then all these other things that we worry about, he'll take care of. All the things that we worry and we stress about He'll take care of if we just seek him first. So this morning, if you're struggling with your time, give more time to God. I know it doesn't make sense, but if you're struggling with your time, give more time to God. If you're struggling with your schedule, go to church more. If you're struggling with your schedule being so busy, Carve out time to go to church more. If you're struggling with your money, give more. If you're struggling obeying the scripture, read the scripture more. If you're struggling being consistent, make up in your mind that you're going to be consistent. Do the exact opposite of what your struggle is. That's how the violent take it by force. That's how mountains are moved in your life. When you understand your struggle and you take it head on and you do the exact opposite of what you're struggling with. And you will see victory on the other side. We cannot afford to be a church that is only a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. When we just hear the word of God and we take a quick glance and we, we head out and we don't think much more about it, we're really deceiving our own selves. But we've got to be a doer 
of the word. We've got to be a pursuer of God. We've got to say, God, whatever you have for me, I want it. When there's a prayer meeting, I'm going to be here. Amen. When there's, I want to read my Bible every day. When the church doors are open, I'm going to be there because I want everything that you have for me. And I promise you, I know, I know that it takes sacrifice. I know that it takes some changes. But if you begin to put God first, you will begin to, you'll begin to notice that he will work everything else out somehow, some way. God's kingdom is upside down. It doesn't make sense that the first would be last and the last would be first. That doesn't make sense to us. But if you will give him everything, your time, your energy, your money, if you will give him everything, he'll work out all the things that we spend so much time stressing about and worrying about. He said it. He promised it. Today, I pray that we would be equally yoked with God. And we read in Scripture in several different places both this idea of being yoked together. In 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, it says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And, and the parallel is being made of uh, two oxen that are yoked together, and they would put the yoke around their necks, and they would basically, there was a, a, a piece of wood that would go across the front of both of them and would tie into both of their yokes, and they would be yoked together. And whatever they were doing, whatever work that these oxen were, were put, put to, to do, they would do it together. And if you had one oxen that was unequally yoked, it didn't work very well. There would maybe be an oxen that was struggling and, and was lagging behind, and the other oxen, they would start working against each other. And it just, it wasn't productive in the field. It wasn't productive for anything when two oxens were unequally yoked. But if you got them together and they were able to work together, when they were able to apply more pressure when more pressure was needed, and they would step together and they wouldn't work against each other, work could be done. Paul even had this, uh, on the road to Damascus, had this experienced in, uh, in Acts 9 and 3. Says, and Paul, as, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth. And he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? God smote him to the ground with a, with a light, and he asked, he asked him, why, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting the Christians? And in verse 5 he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. He said, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. God was telling him, listen, you keep, you keep fighting against, against me. And, you, and the, the pricks were the things behind the oxen. That, that would, uh, they would prod the back of their legs or keep them from kicking back. And, and Paul, regardless of how bad it hurt, would keep kicking back. And he was unequally yoked with God. He was working against God. And it wasn't productive. 
And at, at this moment, Paul hadn't experienced and, and realized that this Jesus of Nazareth, that he was God. That he, he was God manifest in the flesh. So today, we've got to be equally yoked with God. Matthew 11 and 28 says, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest and take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So today, with the idea that eternity is at stake, I pray that each and every single one of us would get ourselves in alignment with God. That we would be equally yoked. That we wouldn't fight against. It's so interesting. And I can't even explain it. And I don't know if it's just because of the, the, the ministry or what it is, but as a pastor... As a pastor, and I never, you know, you guys know me, I never really desired this, pursued this, but it's what God wanted. And uh, I never, you know, Brother Chup used to do things, say things, and, and of course I would do my best to listen and submit to it and didn't always understand it. But now that I'm kind of in that role and, and there's a responsibility for souls there's a responsibility for, for me to preach the word of God. There's a responsibility that I, that I am able to feed the flock. And I, I don't do this to try control anybody. I don't want to, I don't like telling people what to do. I, I, I'd much rather that the Holy Ghost would just speak to somebody. But it's interesting. It's like God has given me a bird's eye view of the flock. And you can kind of you can kind of see where people are heading and the trajectory of their lives. And you see it by the decisions that they're making and the things that they're doing and the things that they're talking about. And I want nothing more than for each and every single one of us just to get on the right trajectory with God. That you would get on the right path, and that you would get yourself equally yoked with God, and you wouldn't, wouldn't work against what God is really trying to do in your life. Like, I want nothing more than for you to become who God wants you to be. That's it. So today I preach this message. I know... There's some scriptures that are, I mean, the Bible says that, that behold the goodness and the severity of God. Like there's, there's some scripture that are, it's hard to take. Even when Jesus was te teaching, there were some hard sayings and people walked away because they couldn't receive it. And I pray that I preach this in a way that you were able to receive it today. But in all things... I pray that we would commit ourselves to the kingdom 
of God. And we want to, and I, you know, I'm all about having a good job. And I know we got to work. And I know we have family. And I know we have house. I, I understand all that. But don't put those things before God. If you put God first, get yourself in alignment, all these other things will just work out. So today, I preach this, and my prayer is that somebody today, you may have gotten a little off course, but if you're here today, God's mercy is available. If you're here today, it's by the mercies of God that you heard this, and you can just get yourself on the right course following after the plan of God that he has for you today. Let's all stand today. I pray the Holy Ghost is speaking to somebody. Our musicians could come. We're going to have an altar call and in a Pentecostal church we call this front the altar. It's really just a, a place for us to come and pray. It's a place for us to, to talk to God. And it can be a place for, for things to, to die as well. And if there's some things, some desires, some plans, some trajectories in your life today, I pray that you would just come to the altar, that you would lay them down at God's feet and say, God, I want you today. I want your will in my life. Can we do that this morning? We pray together. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy this morning. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for the hope that we have in you, God, the hope of heaven, God, the hope of spending eternity with you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in this place. God, that there would be some decisions made, God, that we would give you everything. God, anything that we've been holding back, God, that we would give you this morning. In the name of Jesus, God, there's some people here, God, that you're dealing with, God, that you've been talking to, God, that you've been whispering in their ear. God, I pray that they would respond to you this morning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.